Well, good morning, everybody. I think we can all agree it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Absolutely, yes. And um, I've been thinking a lot about the songs that we sing at Christmas time, the carols. We've had a couple of carols this morning, and how the songs um, very much usher in the season at this time. Um, I was thinking about an advert that's probably well known to us for a certain carbonated beverage. And I remember as a kid, that advert would come on, the bells, and we'd hear holidays are coming, holidays are coming. And it was like the start of the Christmas season. And so I've been thinking about songs and how they can usher in a season. And today I want us to look at a particular song. If you like, it was the, the debut single from Mary's first album, Magnify the Lord. And to think about that song and what it might mean for us today and to ask the question of what song we are going to sing in this season. So that you don't get too bored of my voice, I've got Kirsty and Krista here who are going to read the passage for us this morning. So we're reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 56. Thank you, girls. Morning, church. Um, today's verse is Luke 1, 26 to 56. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found your favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel asked, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in the womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord will, would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, 
He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his, servants, his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Amazing. Thank you so much. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you, guys. It's brilliant. Thank you. Okay, so a very well-known scripture for many of us here. And this morning, I just want to, us to lean in and think about two particular aspects. The first I'm calling Mary's stretch, and then the second part will be Mary's song. So what am I talking about when I say Mary's stretch? I think it's quite clear from that passage that that encounter with the angel was the start of a massive stretch of faith for Mary. And I was thinking about how we often have those times in our lives, don't we, where we feel that God is asking us to do something that seems so much bigger than ourselves, and it feels like a stretch of faith. And it might be that just that, that God is asking us to do something, whether it's work-related, something in our community, something relational, that we just don't feel that we have the capacity to do. And then sometimes I think the stretch of faith is just in the really difficult times that God is saying, hold on to me and just keep, keep with me. And that can be the stretch of faith. So if you find yourself in either of those situations this morning, I think we're in good company. And I think there are some things from Mary's story that can help all of us. So I want to talk about five principles that I think are helpful in Mary's stretch before we come to look at her song. And the first is this, to see yourself as God sees you. You know, what strikes me is that our angel appears and says that Mary is highly favoured when she probably felt anything but. And that was the first stretch, wasn't it? When God says something over you which doesn't align with how you see yourself or maybe how others see you, it's a stretch of faith to even acknowledge that, to accept that, isn't it? But Mary, we couldn't move on with this story. We wouldn't have the rest of this story if Mary didn't come to acknowledge and accept the way that God saw her. And I love the fact that the God that we serve does not see us sometimes as we see ourselves or as others see us. You know, let's look at Mary. She's a lowly teenage girl. Um, she hasn't really got any social standing, limited opportunities for education, very limited legal and economic rights in this time and time that she was living. Um, you know, I was, I was reading about, you know, a teenager like Mary probably would have been working already, and any wages that she earned would have gone straight to her dad. And then whenever she got married, it would have gone straight to her husband. So this is not someone that had any opportunity for financial stability or anything like that. She was a regular teenage girl. And it's into that context that the angel appears and calls her highly favoured and gives us the greeting that we read is deeply troubling to her. And I think we can understand why, can't we? You know, what God was asking of her was huge. And I wonder if Mary was thinking, why would God bring this thing into my life, knowing what it could mean for me? This could have cost her everything, couldn't it? Her reputation, her future marriage, social isolation, you know, her financial situation, all of that was on the line if this didn't go as the angel was saying. And I wonder if sometimes when God is asking us to do something that feels like a big stretch, we might wonder similar things. God, why would you bring this thing into my life, knowing what it could mean for me, knowing how much it could cost me? 
but the key is that greeting. God had called her highly favored. Mary didn't have the benefit of seeing the fast forward of how this was going to work out like we do. And in our own lives, we don't get to see ahead of time how it's going to work out. We have to start with what God's saying. So if God calls us highly favored, the first part of the stretch is to take hold of that truth so we can move forward in whatever he's promised us. So see yourself as God sees you is the first thing. And the second thing is this, approach God with your questions. There's a verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, in him and through faith, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I really love that. We can approach God with freedom and confidence. I am actually very reassured in this story by Mary's ability to ask the obvious question. Now, I don't know what you picture when you think of this encounter with the angel. I've been thinking about it a lot over the last few weeks, and I imagine the angel is very enthusiastic and vibrant. I imagine that he's known about this assignment for centuries. He's been up practicing his greeting on his angelic housemates, and then one day he gets the call. It's today. And so he comes down into Mary's front room full of enthusiasm, and perhaps doesn't read the energy in the room, doesn't realize he's got a terrified teenage girl in front of him. But you know, Mary says, and I'm paraphrasing here, let me just stop you right there. How is this actually going to work out? I've never actually slept with a man. Let's, you know, get down to the details. And I think it's great that she asked that question because I think sometimes as Christians, we have this funny relationship with questions, queries, doubts, as if somehow we can't take those to God, as if somehow that means that we're lacking in faith. I really don't believe that to be the case. In fact, I think in this encounter, Mary's ability to ask the question actually speaks volumes of her faith in God because she understands the God that she is approaching. And I think if we know the God that we serve and we know that he loves us and he is for us, we should never be afraid to approach him with our questions, our concerns, even our doubts. In fact, he is the very one that we should take all of those things to. We should never be afraid to approach him with freedom and confidence. Number three, give God your answer when it doesn't all make sense. We look back to Mary and she says yes before we've got all of the details ironed out. I don't know about you, but I actually think that the, uh, if it were me, I'm not sure that the angel's response would be very satisfactory for me the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. It sounds a bit terrifying, doesn't it? But she says yes, even though she doesn't know how it's all going to work out. And that's part of the step of faith, isn't it? Sometimes we like to know how it's all going to be, how it's all going to fit together. But God is, is waiting for our answer. And we need to be able to say yes, even with all of the questions that overhang. The angel leaves Mary after she's said yes. And I wonder what she was left with. I wonder about all of the millions of things that must have been going through her head. What am I going to tell my parents? What on earth is Joseph going to say? What's everybody else going to say? All sorts of things. But she was able to say yes. And that's part of our faith, isn't it? It's our certainty in what we do not see that makes it a step of faith. If we knew all of the answers, it wouldn't require any faith. God is looking for people who are ready to say yes to him because they trust in his character. And we read in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. 
I really love that, that scripture. God is looking, he's looking across the earth for those whose hearts are towards him, for those who are ready to say yes to him. But why? He's looking to strengthen them. So be encouraged. Unlike the angel who just left Mary with everything swilling around in, in her head, God is looking to be with us and strengthen us if we say yes to the stretch. Okay, number four, know that it is God who increases our capacity when we say yes to the stretch. Um, at some point, all of this would have become real for Mary. And, you know, she might have had this encounter with the angel. Maybe a few weeks went by. Obviously, she went off to see Elizabeth. And she was probably wondering if this was really going to happen. Was this all just a figment of my imagination? And then maybe there was a day, maybe there was a day when she suddenly felt a wave of nausea and she had her first bout of morning sickness and she thought, oh, this is actually happening. But at some point, the stretch became visible because Mary had a pregnancy and she would have grown and it would have been visible to her and to her family and then to the community around her. You can imagine the tongues wagging. Have you seen Mary? She's gone up a tunic size. Has she? You know, all of this sort of thing going on. And it was clear to everyone, the, the stretch was a physical stretch as well as a spiritual one. And actually, I think that, that sort of pregnancy analogy is quite helpful for thinking about what it is like to say yes to God when he asks us to take a step of faith with him. Now, many of you will know I've, I've had pregnancies, and my children uh, will now say things to me like this. Your belly is like a bouncy castle. Your belly is stretchy. Your belly is like a balloon. So, you know, that's the kind of level of body shaming that goes on in my house. <laughs> but it's all, of course, in reference to the fact that there was a time when I had a massive stretch. I carried twins and then had another pregnancy. And when you do that in a pregnancy, you, you are never the same again. Physically, you, you don't change. And when it happens, you change rather. And when it happens again, you're not starting from the same baseline. And I think it's exactly the same when we say yes to God. We can't imagine how that is going to work out when it feels like something so big. But it's God that increases our capacity. He gives us that stretch. And then once we've done it once, we build faith for the next time that God asks us to do something because we've seen him do it before and then we think yeah I know he can do it again and that's how we build faith um, in Romans 1 verse 17 in the King James it says therein the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith and I really like that translation because it almost depicts this sense of faith on faith and increasing faith and building faith and I think this is exactly what this stretch looks like so just to demonstrate this uh, I'm going to invite up someone else. John Owen, your friend and mine, please come to the stage. This is the man who is responsible for my physical stretch. So, <laughs> so uh, just before you do that, just to say John's qualifications for this is that he used to play the tuba in a, a brass band, so he's actually got excellent lung capacity. So this balloon in this, this is us as you can see, and John's going to play the part of God. Thanks very much for that. <laughs> so here we have our balloon, and it's God, you know, breathing his very life into us that increases our capacity. Okay, you can uh, release the air now, John. Thank you very much. And actually, compared to a balloon that hasn't been used, we see that the one that's had the stretch is different. So the next time, then, that God would ask us to do something, we're like the balloon on the right, and so we can continue to increase in faith and increase in faith. 
Thank you very much, John. That was brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> so know that it is God who increases our capacity when we say yes to the stretch. And number five, God provides others to encourage us in our stretch. So we read that Mary hurried to see Elizabeth. And you know, sometimes when God is asking us something and we need to check out what he's saying, we definitely hurry, don't we? We get in touch with someone we want to know. And um, Elizabeth apparently lived in a place they believe called Jutta, I don't know if I pronounced that right, which would have been probably about 100 miles from Nazareth. So this wasn't Mary just popping around the corner. She was undertaking a really long journey to go and see Elizabeth, to check out what God was saying and to get that confirmation for herself. But I really believe that the encounter between these two women took Mary from a place of uncertain acceptance to joyful belief. And we all need an Elizabeth, don't we? When, when we think that God is saying something to us, when he's asking something of us, we need someone who's full of faith, who can encourage us. We need that spiritual relative. And that's exactly what Elizabeth did for Mary. She spoke hope. She prophesied over Mary. She, she allowed Mary to think that actually this might be possible. Now, um, Pastor Andy's mentioned about Zachariah. And I wonder if we'd have met Elizabeth maybe a year before she would have been a different person. When she was in the middle of waiting, probably looking around, her and Zachariah had been serving in the temple and thinking, when is it going to be our turn? We haven't got any children. Is this going to happen? I wonder if she would have been so full of hope at that time. Possibly not. But we meet her in the sixth month of her pregnancy, and she is able to say to Mary, look what God has done for me. He can do the same for you. And that's the power of a testimony, isn't it? It was so great last week, wasn't it, to hear Ella, Caitlin, and Stephen share their testimonies. Nothing can touch a testimony. It's, it's the power of God in someone's life, and it's incredible. And so, yes, we all need an Elizabeth, but I would also encourage us all to be an Elizabeth because you don't know what your words of faith will unlock in somebody else's life. And I firmly believe that Elizabeth's declaration of faith over Mary was then the catalyst for Mary's song. So we come to Mary's song. And um, to be honest, uh, this song really just blows my mind. And her opening line, my soul magnifies the Lord. What an incredible start to the song. There are lots of definitions of, of magnify. One I really like is to assign a high status or value to. And it immediately begs the question, doesn't it? What status, what value do I assign to the Lord in my life? Which is a huge challenge to all of us. But also she sings my soul. My soul magnifies the Lord. Which means that Mary was making a choice it was her mind, it was her will, it was her emotions choosing to magnify the Lord over everything else, over her questions, over her doubts, over probably all of her fears. She was choosing to focus on God, make him the bigger thing in her life. And as she did that, she was able to sing this song of praise that flowed out of her, which is absolutely incredible. So what is your soul magnifying this morning? And what is my soul magnifying? I was thinking about um, a situation where uh, someone quite close to me had hurt me. And for a period of time, what I think my soul was magnifying was um, unforgiveness. 
and very much a sense of being wronged and a lot of bitterness, if I'm really honest. And then the person asked me to forgive them, and I said I did, but I didn't really. I was, I was, still, holding on to, <laughs> I was still holding on to that bitterness and that resentment. And then they said, can we pray together? And honestly, I was really annoyed that they would even suggest it. I was so cross. I was thinking, you've done something to me, and you want us to pray together. But we did pray. And um, I, I remember I said, you know, Lord, I thank you that you are so kind and so gracious. I thank you that you forgive us time and time again. And as soon as I said those words, those powerful words of truth, it completely changed my perspective on the whole situation. Instead of magnifying the sense that I'd been wronged and the bitterness and the unforgiveness, I was magnifying God's incredible forgiveness and the fact that time after time when I mess up, he forgives me. And how could I possibly not forgive someone else? And, you know, my soul then began to magnify the Lord in that situation. And it was like a, it was almost like a healing balm for me because all of that other stuff which had just been getting me really annoyed started to slowly fade away. So our souls will always be magnifying something. And what, what is your soul magnifying today? Let's look at what happens when we magnify the Lord, because I think there is some beautiful stuff in Mary's song. And the psalmist says in Psalm 34, verse 3, come magnify the Lord with me. So I hope we can go on this journey together. And I just want to give you eight points, I don't want to alarm you, they're quick, <laughs> that happen when we magnify the Lord. So the first is this, when we magnify the Lord, we see that he sees us. Verse 48, Mary says, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And there's that sense of Mary saying, God sees me. And this was reminiscent of the story of Hagar back in the book of Genesis. Hagar was also an insignificant girl. She was a servant girl um, who kind of got caught in the middle of her boss, Sarah, and Abraham's lack of faith. God, of course, had told Abraham he was going to be the father of many nations. And Sarah thought, well, it's not going to happen through me. I will take matters into my own hands. Port brought Hagar along for the journey, who became pregnant. And then, of course, when she had her son, Sarah was so full of jealousy that she banished them. And so Hagar and her son Ishmael were out in the desert and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and spoke lovely words of promise over them and protection over them. And in the middle of that encounter, we read in Genesis 16, verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And in this beautiful encounter, Hagar, who had been really just used in this whole scenario, met with God and saw that he saw her and that she wasn't insignificant. And I think Mary was seeing the same thing in her story. And I just wonder if someone needs to know that this morning, that however things may seem, you are not insignificant to God. You are not insignificant to him. You are, in fact, very significant, and he sees you. So this morning, Derby City Church, magnify the Lord with me and see that he sees you. Number two, when we magnify the Lord, we see his mercy. Verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. We thank God for his mercy, that the price is paid. This is like a foretelling of what Jesus is going to do on the cross. God does not treat us as we deserve. He, he does not repay us based on how we mess up. And sometimes we beat ourselves up a lot, and sometimes we just need to experience and acknowledge that our God is very merciful to us. So if you're here this morning thinking, oh, why do I keep doing the same thing over and over again? 
Just know that God is merciful and that his mercy extends. I love that description of the extension of mercy because it reminds me that no matter how far away I feel from God, I'm never outside of the reach of his mercy for me. So this morning, Derby City Church, magnify the Lord with me and experience his mercy. Number three, when we magnify the Lord, we see his power. Verse 52 and 53, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. And you know, when we give God his rightful place, we get a perspective, a little bit more perspective on just how powerful he is. We take our human limitations off him and we see all that he is capable of doing. And of course, we see God's power in in big ways, don't we? In the stars and the moon and the sun and the galaxy and the fact that in him all things hold together. But also, I think we then experience his power in very personal ways too. You know, when I think about God's power in my life, I think about the fact that he has set me free from patterns of thinking and ways of being that I thought would be part of my life forever. Only a powerful God can do that. I think about the way that he's brought people into my life, my spiritual Elizabeths, just at the time when I've needed them to encourage me. Only a loving and powerful God could do that. And when we magnify the Lord, we see the various ways in which he demonstrates his power to us. This morning, Derby City Church, magnify the Lord with me and see his power. Number four, when we magnify the Lord, we experience his provision. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things. I really love this. Our God is a provider, isn't he? Jehovah Jireh. When I was growing up, my parents had um, on a plaque on the wall, Philippians 4.19, which says, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. All your needs, all your needs. There is not one need that you have this morning that God is not able to supply for. Do we believe that this morning? And why? Because he supplies out of what? Out of his glorious riches. Our God is an abundant provider. Our God is a generous provider. He is not a stingy provider, if we sometimes see him as such. He is the one who has all resource, and his supply is rich. So know that God is an abundant provider. This morning, Derby City Church, magnify the Lord with me and experience his abundant provision. Number five, when we magnify the Lord, we realize that he is faithful to fulfill his promises. Verse 55, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God is faithful. And I've been thinking about faithfulness quite a lot because I think often we think about faithfulness in terms of a duration, don't we? I was thinking about um, at work, for example, when people get a long service badge and it's sort of their commitment to the NHS and it's because they've been in service for 25, 30 years and, of course, that's definitely to be commended. But I think there is so much more to God's faithfulness than just about him staying the course with us. I think it's about his attitude and his countenance towards us that he is faithful to fulfill his promises. And I found a definition of faithfulness, which is not in relation to God, but I found really helpful in this. It says, faithfulness is the concept of unfailingly remaining loyal to someone or something and putting that loyalty into consistent practice, regardless of extenuating circumstances. 
I really like that. Our circumstances do not define his faithfulness. Whatever we can see around us or can't see, we need to rest assured that God is constantly putting his commitment to us into practice, that he is indeed faithful to us through it all. Whatever we see, he is always at work in the background, putting that commitment into practice for all of us. So this morning, Derby City Church, magnify the Lord with me and recognize his faithfulness to fulfill his promises. Number six, when we magnify the Lord, we can start to speak truth over ourselves. Verses 48 and 49, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. First, we heard the angel speak over Mary. Then we heard Elizabeth speak over Mary. And at this point, Mary is now able to speak for herself. The the girl who just before was terrified and deeply troubled to be called highly favored is now saying, many generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things. She's starting to believe it for herself that the impossible might just be possible. So what are you speaking over yourself this morning? Is it doubt? Is it criticism? Is it condemnation? Is it unworthiness? Or are you able to magnify the Lord and speak his truth over you? You know, in Zephaniah, the prophet Zephaniah, chapter 3 and 17, he says to the people, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And there's some lovely truth in that because he does indeed take great delight in us. He does indeed rejoice over us. So this morning, Derby City Church, magnify the Lord with me and start to speak his truth over your life and your situation. Number seven, when we magnify the Lord, our doubts start to fade. We all know what happens when we magnify something. You know if you've got a photograph and you zoom in on a particular part of it, the rest of it then disappears out of your field of vision, doesn't it? It fades away as you make one part bigger. And as we magnify the Lord, just as we've seen happen in Mary's journey here, our anxieties start to fade. Maybe the unanswered questions seem less significant. Our fears seem less important. Our insecurities seem less relevant. All of these things start to diminish, start to reduce, start to fade away in our situation as we give God his rightful place and magnify him and focus on what he is able to do. So this morning, Derby City Church, magnify the Lord with me and watch your doubts, your fears, your insecurities start to fade away as you fix your eyes on him. And number eight, when we magnify the Lord, we start to see that we are capable through God of greater things than we ever imagined. I found this quote, and I don't know where I got it from. So if anyone knows who said this, please let me know. But somebody said, those who follow a God-sized calling need a God-sized courage. And it's knowing that it's God who does it that's the important thing, and that through him, we are capable of absolutely incredible things. This is the God that chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Let's be honest, this story is pretty outrageous, isn't it? There was a lot that didn't make sense, but we don't serve a God who sees things the way that we see them. We serve a God whose ways are higher than our ways and whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And if we partner with him, we are capable of incredible things for his kingdom. 
In John 14, verse 12, Jesus says to his disciples, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Even greater things than they had seen him doing. And that's the same promise for all of us. Imagine what God could do with you and with me if we would just say yes to him. This morning, Derby City Church, magnify the Lord with me and see that you are capable of even greater things for his kingdom. You know, sometimes I think we look at these stories and they just seem so outlandish and hard to attain for ourselves. But you know, it's not always for us to see or to discern or to know how God is going to work all of this out, how he's going to show his provision to us, how he's going to demonstrate his faithfulness or his power. And I think we've all known situations where we thought God was going to take us this way, and it seems that things are moving in a different direction. And I sometimes wonder if much like maybe Elizabeth before her pregnancy, or like Sarah when God told Abraham he was going to be the father of many nations. When we're in the middle of it, when we're in the waiting, when we're in the wondering, it can be really hard to see how God is going to take our piece of the jigsaw, our bit of the tapestry, and and use it for something significant for his glory. But we have to know that he is at work, that he is faithful, that he is committed, that he is putting his loyalty towards us, his commitment towards us into constant practice, regardless of our circumstances. And all we can do is rely heavily on the character of God and leave the rest to him. So let's encourage ourselves this morning that God is in the business of taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary, that he is in the business of taking the mundane and turning it into something incredible, that he is in the habit of seeing the one that seems insignificant and using them to do something amazing, and he is always true to his word. So in view of that, what is going to be your song in this season? Will you join with Mary and magnify the Lord? I just want to address maybe two different types of people in the room. For those of us who know and love God, he is inviting us into a bigger adventure than we could ever imagine. He is inviting you with all of your insecurities and fears and doubts, and also all of your faith and hope and expectancy to partner with him in the greatest adventure of your life. That is going to look different for every single person here. But as we've read, he sees us all and he knows us and he calls us by name. So what will you say? What will be your song in this season? Will you choose to magnify the Lord and see him do the impossible? And for those of you who wouldn't call yourselves a Christian, who don't know God, you need to know that he knows you and he also sees you the very deepest parts of you, the bits you don't let anybody else see. And he is inviting you to take your first step on this journey with him too. We've talked about Mary for half an hour, but actually this story is not about Mary. This story is pointing us to Jesus. And at this time of year, we remember Jesus coming to earth. Jesus came into this humble, working-class, low-income family to take on human form, to draw close to you to move into our neighborhood, to experience our suffering, to navigate our emotions, to deal with our stresses, and to experience our temptations. He came to earth, and he did it for you and for me. He did it so that when we would cry out to him, we would know that he's experienced this life that we experience. He knew that he couldn't love us from afar, so he chose to draw close. 
And he is inviting you, maybe for the first time, to say yes to him and to magnify him, to give him first place in your life. What will you say? If you want to say yes to him, please don't leave this building without coming to speak to us because we'd love to pray for you and see you start on this incredible journey of magnifying the Lord. Amen.